So, Mike, we haven't really caught up on threads yet, have we? No, not in great detail, uh, to be honest. Uh, I've, you know, I don't know, kind of found it a little more burdensome than anything else. Like, I have a message to send, and now I have to create a video for Instagram and TikTok, post for LinkedIn, you know, shortened version for Twitter, X, or, you know, whatever we're calling it these days. And now threads, and it's just sort of like another thing, you know? Yeah, no, I I hear you. And it, it brings up an interesting development as people continue to look for alternatives to even Twitter, right? They might end up on threads. Millions of people have. Um, but there's a long tail of options now, including like Mastodon, which we've talked about, or Blue Sky. Blue Sky. Yeah, I I can't even keep track of them all. <laughs> yeah, Blue Sky was actually spun out of Twitter in like 2021. So there's a lot of options, but none of them talk to each other, right? So you you have to do this like login game just to, to get a post out. Um, and, you know, I, I don't mean talk like they're executives, but I mean, talk like a standard protocol to communicate with each other. Yeah, they don't really have much incentive to ditch their proprietary architectures, right? Yeah, except for Blue Sky. They, they kind of want to solve this problem, but, uh, you know, I, I don't see them making too big inroads here. But um, it's just another example of a product cycle that we've seen before. So today I want to dive into the history of actual instant messaging and what we can learn from the boom of early services like AOL and Microsoft and how it relates to the social media fractured platforms that we see today. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective, where your hosts, Michael Saka and Mike Belsito. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun.com. 
P-O-R-K-B-U-N.com forward slash RocketShipFM24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. So in the late 90s, instant messaging was all the rage and AOL was the winner by default. But why are we talking about this now? Well, for various reasons. Familiar with anyone who's seen the emergence of threads over the past week, there's a good product lesson in all of this that we're going to explore by better understanding the rise of instant messaging. All right, AOL Instant Messenger was, or maybe is, a fully proprietary tool that was originally only designed to work with AOL's own clients, but the service became a phenomenon that solved a key issue for early internet users. It made it possible to communicate with the popular proprietary service if you're just using a standard issue ISP or perhaps like me and you, Michael, I'm sure you're going to college and AOL just wasn't necessary, but you still want to keep in touch with all your Mm -hmm. friends. Uh, Here's actually a 1995 AOL commercial just to set the stage. Every day, America Online is making it easier for people to live, work and play. Hey, Dan, ready for the game? I'm just finishing up here with my new kayaking friends. Kayaking friends on your computer? Yeah, I just got America Online. Sounds great. Listen, I can't go to the game today. What? I've got to send something for my mom's birthday. It's tomorrow. I'll then book plane tickets for our trip next week, and my kids got to go to the library to look up dinosaurs. Hey, we can take care of all that before we go. Yeah, right. Oh, with America Online. America Online can do all that. The goal was not to turn AOL Instant Messenger into a product that other companies could latch onto, but AOL did some steps to allow for this because it needed to serve one specific audience with its software, and that was Linux users. To help serve that audience, AOL shared information that allowed Linux developers to plug into the company's proprietary open system for communication in real time, or OSCAR as they called it. However, AOL was not alone in the market, and that information was available to non-commercial players and competitors alike. Not only was it competing with startups like ICQ and Tribal Voices Pow Wow, it also was seeing direct competitors like Microsoft and Yahoo attempting to get into this instant messaging territory. In 2018, a former Microsoft developer, David Arbach, gave a talk at Google recalling the steps that the company used to attempt to reverse engineer competitors between AIM, AOL Instant Messenger, and Microsoft's own MSN Messenger. To speak about is, um, this is actually a, a tale of my time at Microsoft, and bizarrely enough, we have someone here who was actually there at the time on the very same team. So uh, he, can, he can verify that I'm not embellishing this. Uh, and this, this section is called uh, Chat Wars, and it begins with a, uh, with a quote from Grace Hopper. Uh, it's easier to ask forgiveness than it is to get permission. And now you'll see why. (laughs) At 22, when I was just out of college and still a green software engineer, I fought America Online and AOL won. The battle made the front page of the New York Times. The public was beginning to care about code. This wasn't the code that would crack the secrets of mathematics or the nature of the universe, but it was the lifeblood of our economy and society. It was the summer of 1999, and people were starting to realize that the internet and the web were becoming a new dynamic circulatory system for information's coordination and life itself. The summer before my final year of college, I interned as a software engineer at Microsoft in Redmond. I was assigned to the group that was building MSN Messenger Service, Microsoft's instant messaging app. 
And after receiving my degree, I went on to join them full time. The unwieldy name was cooked up by Microsoft's marketing department, which had a reputation for always picking the clunkiest and least imaginative product names. Buddy list, CUC me, MSN Messenger, no, it was MSN Messenger Service, but I'll call it Messenger for short. At the time, the big players in instant messaging were AOL Instant Messenger, Yahoo, and ICQ. Uh, AOL Instant Messenger, AIM for short, had tens of millions of users. AOL had become the country's biggest dial-up provider in the mid-90s by blitzing mailboxes with CD-ROMs, and all AOL users automatically became AIM users. Yahoo and ICQ each had millions of users. These are paltry numbers by the standards of 2018, but they were meaningful in the 90s. After my team finished developing the client code, we had some downtime while waiting for the server team to finish their Hotmail integration. We couldn't release without their work. We fixed every bug we could find. One of the problems was getting new users to join Messenger when so many people already used other chat programs. Um, unlike email, email, which has the standard SMTP format across all programs, these chat work networks didn't talk to each other. AOL didn't talk to Yahoo, which didn't talk to ICQ, and none of them would talk to us. AOL had the largest user base, so we discussed the possibility of adding code to allow Messenger to log in to two servers simultaneously, Microsoft and AOL, so that users could see their Messenger and AIM buddies on a single list and talk to AIM buddies via Messenger. We called it Interop. Uh, AIM's protocol was known as OSCAR, uh, stood for acronym for Open System for Communication in Real Time. Uh, it was undocumented. Uh, so, uh, me and my mentor at the time signed up for AIM accounts and watched the AIM client talk to the server using a network monitor. I saw the protocol that AIM was using. My mentor, Chris, had figured out a large chunk of Oscar this way, and after he left the team, I picked up his work and finished the job. Um, um, so, you know, did AOL notice that there were some odd messages heading their way from Redmond? Probably not. They had tens of millions of users, and we were you know, mimicking their protocol reasonably well. But I thought this little stunt would be deemed too dubious and excised from Messenger before it shipped, but management liked it. So on July 22nd, 1999, Microsoft entered the chat markets with MSN Messenger service, uh, complete with AOL Interop. MSN Messenger, which came out in 1999, immediately proved controversial with the AOL camp, which took steps to actually block the tool from integrating with it. Also in AOL's crosshairs was Tribal Voices Powwow, which had a deal with AT&T to use its software in part because it could generate guaranteed compatibility with AIM, or AOL Instant Messenger. Yeah, and you know who founded Powwow, right? No, but... I don't know. I feel like I should. Yeah. Well, it was John McAfee, the John McAfee from McAfee antivirus fame. Okay. Um, wild. So wait, we, we should tell that story briefly then, um, but we'll do that after a quick break. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices. Construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. This episode is brought to you by Yahoo Finance. 
Wouldn't it be great if you could see all of your investment and retirement accounts in one place? With Yahoo Finance, you can consolidate your views with multiple accounts into one hub and access the expert analysis you need to tend to your entire portfolio with confidence. Honestly, this has been a lifesaver for me. I've used Yahoo Finance to consolidate all of my various 401k and investment accounts so I can see everything all in one place. And it makes it incredibly easy to manage. So if you're struggling with that, check out Yahoo Finance. For over 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart a great investor. And that's how Yahoo Finance ensures that you have the insights to look at your wealth in its entirety. So go to yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. Okay, before the break, we were discussing, well, John McAfee's little known involvement in the instant messaging (laughs) space, but also more importantly, the greater history of the instant messaging protocol, which AOL inadvertently opened up to its competitors after trying to satisfy requirements for Linux users. So as a quick tangent for some deep social network history, in like 1994, John McAfee leaves his antivirus company and takes a road trip across America. Where he encountered various Native American tribes while traveling in a Winnebago. Those conversations he had with the Native tribes directly inspired his follow-up company and its inevitable location in the relatively tiny Woodland Park, Colorado area, which is near Pikes Peak. When McAfee gave away his antivirus software in the 1980s, he did so because of a new age philosophical approach that suggested that software shouldn't be sold. Likewise, he found inspiration in the Native American tribes he visited during the mid 90s journey. According to a 1997 Red Herring article, he sees the internet as the physical manifestation of what Indian shamans call the golden thread. And his latest project, Tribal Voice, is an attempt to capitalize on this mystical vision. And where did that vision lead him? It led him to a multimedia chat software that was years ahead of the instant messaging trend that would eventually take hold thanks to AOL, ICQ, and later Skype. The software Tribal Voice created, Pow Wow, may have been one of the first social networks thanks to its focus on tribes as an organizational strategy. It was a great spot to converse if you could look past the website. (laughs) Yeah, the whole brand, honestly, the whole thing was as cringy as you would imagine. In one of the early versions of the Tribal Voice site, the About page included a photo of McAvee and the leadership company under the banner, the Outlaw Geeks brandishing various types of guns. Yeah, which given what we know now about John McAfee, it, it all checks out, right? True, true. Another page, it featured a tribal voice yuppie catalog, which I I don't know. It makes one wonder exactly what McAfee learned from his time visiting these native tribes. The company's active borrowing of Native American imagery and wording, it drew the ire of an early online Native American activist, Paula Geese, who called the material on the site sacrilegious. Um, There's a quote here. I'll actually read it. It says, our sacred pipe, sweat lodge, cedar, tobacco, all of our 
most important symbols, ceremonies, objects, places, they're not just exploited, but desecrated, trashed by his tribal voice corporation, which spent hundreds of thousands of dollars preparing its commercial site, but has advertised itself all over the web as, quote, native culture, Geese wrote. So that's powwow. Now you know, so we can get back to our AOL instant messaging protocol. Yeah, so, okay, AT&T, it's now partnered with Pow Wow because of its ability to work on multiple networks, including AOL and MSN Messenger. This gave Pow Wow and AT&T a competitive advantage as it would work across networks with ease. This wasn't something, however, that AOL liked. In fact, AOL didn't like anyone encroaching on its instant messaging turf and took steps to protect it at all costs. It outright purchased ICQ. It attempted to block competitors from using similar technology to AOL Instant Messenger. And it took steps to block Microsoft's MSN Messenger from its users. Very anti-competitive behavior until the early 2000s when AOL announced plans to merge with Time Warner. The merger of the number one internet company with the number one media company will bring together the best of both worlds. Tonight, a special edition of CNN Newsstand looks beyond the hot links and the sound bites. Meet the players behind the deal of the new century. This was a famously awful deal that harmed the long-term trajectories of every single giant involved in the deal. AOL, an emerging megacorp at the time of the deal, um, it's a shell of its former self now. Time's uh, once dominant magazine empire has been split up. And I don't know if you've seen the trash fire that is Warner Brothers, but let's just say that the roots of that terrible deal started the day AOL and Time Warner decided to join forces. It was a massive agreement, one that survived as a result of industry deregulation that made said agreement look way less unusual than it actually was. And there weren't many conditions on the merger considering, but one of those conditions proved to be important to this battle. AOL would have to take steps to open up its instant messenger protocol. That's right. The FCC's records of attempting to enforce this plan suggest that AOL gave it the old college try on the standards front. It dragged its feet for a couple of years and then they threw their hands and gave up. In part, this is because AOL insisted on building a server-to-server approach to protocol communication around open standards, which, based on its documents to the FCC, it found difficult to implement. They said a viable interoperability approach must adequately address these concerns if it's to enhance the user experience rather than undermine IM's basic appeal. Moreover, if all these concerns are not fully addressed from day one, there's no way to resolve them at a later date. Once a flawed protocol had been implemented, it is virtually impossible to undo the damage. I just don't think they wanted to do it. But (laughs) by early 2003, AOL had essentially given up on this endeavor, despite significant pressure to build a protocol from Microsoft, which had tied MSN Messenger directly into Windows XP um, at this point in time. One notable and important development that came of the FCC's agreement with AOL, however, was a collaboration with Apple on iChat, the predecessor application to iMessage, which arguably became AIM's de facto replacement. The FCC reports state that iChat was a hosted application rather than one that relied on an open protocol, and the company seemed to feel that this was enough. The situation further brought into light by the fact that its competitors were taking steps of their own to rein in third-party applications shows that there was little appetite for one instant messenger protocol to rule them all. But don't fear. 
the emergence of an open source solution after the break. The state of affairs that led AOL to dominate the instant messenger market and most of its competitors trying to support AOL services while blocking external implementations of their own created a situation in which the only true way to break up this disruptive market was through the creation of open source tools. We can thank a guy named Jeremy Miller for this. In 1998 or so, Miller made the realization before nearly everyone else that trying to communicate with users across networks was going to be a total pain. So he decided to do something about it. Miller, a talented programmer, had created one of the first XML parsers. He put two and two together and made the realization that some of his friends were using handmade scripts to communicate across platforms. The eureka moment was if he built a tool that could take the information around one proprietary client and convert it to the parsable XML format, it could make it possible to communicate across clients. And even better, you didn't actually need the other clients to make this into a unique protocol of its own. Soon, this work evolved into a protocol named Jabber, and that protocol became formalized over time. It is now known as XMPP. And while instant messaging isn't what it once was, the protocol is very much still with us, used in mediums far beyond trying to translate AIM messages for ICQ users. The Internet of Things uses it, for instance. Here's Miller talking at a lunch and learn in his hometown of Des Moines, Iowa. And it was just, you know, it was all ICQ and all AOL and then Microsoft and Yahoo, and they were controlling it all and they were limiting what you can do. And there's no open system to do this stuff. So I'm like, this is, this is bullshit. I'm, uh, we've got this really cool XML thing going on over here. And this is a broken thing happening in the internet where people are using it to communicate. So I'm like, all right, let's just see if we can do something. Let's use XML. Let's try and solve this problem. Let's create an open open system that's actually distributed the same principles as like email. Uh, started Jabber. That did really well. XMPP was, at least for a few years, a total net positive for instant messengers. It allowed people to communicate between platforms as diverse as AIM, MSN, Google, Facebook, all without the need for additional software. It was effectively the solution that AOL told the FCC it could not figure out how to implement. But lo and behold, here it was. But it wasn't perfect, and nor were many of the implementations, which meant that from an end user standpoint, it was at times a mixed bag. And that made it easy to let go when newer protocols were developed. For example, when Google decided to ditch its talk protocol for Hangouts around 2013. Over time, other major services peeled off, or were never used in the first place, as was the case with iMessage, which, as we mentioned before, became AIM's de facto replacement in the U.S. XMPP, now joined by similar protocols like the Matrix Protocol System, is actually still with us, but the services it supported all either disappeared or started to drop support for the protocol within a few years. XMPP, like many open source implementations, it's outlived them all. The problem is the instant messenger has basically become irrelevant over time. But perhaps the reason it dead-ended was because of these protocol limitations, which allowed companies like Google to shape the commercial viability of the product. Yeah, the thing is all signs that this is a repeating problem are pretty clear from simply looking at the long history of the internet. There's no reason, for example, that a tool like Buffer needs to support numerous social media tools natively. It is only that way because the underlying protocols are not built to talk to one another. 
If they were, it would be easier for us to adapt or even expand to new platforms, which I understand isn't the commercial goal in the kind of winner takes all mentality of the market, but it would be what a society actually needs for fluid conversation across platforms, as we do with email. After all, no single company should really own our public discourse. And honestly, there's no motivation to change that. As the instant messenger sagas showed, the only real motivation is to get ahead. So that's a wrap for us this week. Hope you enjoyed this trip through internet history. Until next time, for Mike Belsito, I'm Michael Saka, and this is Rocketship.fm. <laughs>